Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Our gospel lesson for today from the Gospel of Mark paints quite a scene for us. Jesus and Peter and James and John uh, are just coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration where he has been revealed in all of his glory and power, majesty, shining like the sun. And these three disciples have witnessed it. And uh, Mark, you know, in his gospel, he is writing the words of Peter who was there. And so this is from Peter's perspective as they come down the mountain and encounter this group down there. Up until now in the gospel, Mark has been showing that Jesus is not just a man and not just some great prophet, but that he is divine, that he is God himself in human flesh. And of course, this is what they have witnessed up on the mountain, and this is, I think, <laughs> where the phrase come, comes from, a mountaintop experience. That's probably Peter's words, right? They came down the mountain and they, they come across this really agitated scene. There are a number of people crowded around the disciples, and these people, uh, Mark says, they're arguing. And maybe the argument comes uh, because of the great disappointment that the father feels as he has brought his son here to Jesus and Jesus isn't here. And uh, so maybe the disciples can cast out this demon and, and they try, but they have no success. We're, we're told also that there are scribes there and so... Uh, there, there were uh, methods in those days there um, that are recorded for us uh, where the Jews would have exorcisms and would drive out demons. And so perhaps there, there was some contention between the scribes and the disciples. The scribes feeling like the disciples shouldn't be doing this. Uh, maybe they were um, egging them on because they weren't able to do it. We're not told what the uh, origin of the argument is, but at any rate, there is shouting going on, tempers are flaring, voices are passionate, and then someone says, there's Jesus. And the whole crowd turns and starts running to Jesus. And Jesus asks what's going on, and the boy's father speaks up, and uh, I'm sure that if you had been there, you would have heard the passion in his voice and the love that he has for his poor son as the father pours out his heart saying that he's brought his son to Jesus so that his son could be freed from this demon that has possessed him for apparently a very long time. Throws him into fire and water to kill him. And the father tells how when he found out that Jesus wasn't there, he asked the disciples to, uh, and the Greek says, throw the spirit out of the boy. And they tried to make the spirit leave, but they weren't able to do it. And Jesus responds to all of this and says, O faithless generation. And in the Greek there, it's a word that is uh, 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 without faith. O generation without faith. And we know, we understand, 
what the Father is feeling. Some of us may be better than others. He, he loves his son very much. And the, the fact that the demon wants to tear apart his son, throw him into fire and water, throw him into convulsions, like he wants to destroy the boy. And this, of course, tears the father apart too. And the man hears that Jesus is nearby and suddenly he has some hope. And he takes the boy and he leads him to Jesus because he believes that Jesus will be able to cast out this demon. And so here we see a contrast uh, between the father who has faith and the disciples and the others in the crowd who, whom we are told do not have faith. And maybe we have to go a little bit easy on the disciples because uh, prior to this, uh, they were given the command to go out. Jesus sent them out uh, to heal, to preach, and to drive out demons. And how do they come back? They come back and they are rejoicing, saying, even the demons are subject to us. So we know that they were given that command earlier. In fact, that's the only time in the Gospel of Mark that Mark refers to the disciples as apostles. An apostle, that word means one who is sent. It's a Greek word, apostolos. And the only time Mark writes apostles describing them is when they come back because they were sent. And there is some argument made that uh, at this point, right here in our story, maybe the apostles don't have, maybe the disciples don't have the authority to drive out demons because they are with Jesus. He sent them, they came back, and then from then on, Mark doesn't call them apostles. They're never called apostles until after Jesus' ascension. So what does it mean when Jesus says that they have no faith? And uh, the temptation there, uh, some would say, well, it's because their faith wasn't strong enough. They didn't believe enough. They had doubts. But this is faith in faith. And we've talked about that before. There, there, there's a fine line that you have to walk there. Uh, do you have faith in your faith? You say, well, my, if, if my faith were stronger, and things like that. Jesus says to them a little later, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And, and prayer directs us to God, to Jesus. Directs us away from ourselves. Uh, we pray to God because we can't do it. Because we don't have it. Uh, whatever it is, we need from God. That's why we pray to God who is able to do and to give. The disciples' faith maybe is misplaced. Maybe they're relying on themselves. Thinking, hey, we did it before. We ought to be able to do it this time. And they're not in an attitude of prayer to God, asking God's help for this. Perhaps that's what it is. Perhaps their faith is misplaced, placed in themselves. In, in 1976, a, a well-known climber, one of the famous climbers um, in Missouri, 
was doing a stunt, kind of an advertisement stunt. It was going to rappel down the side of a bank building. And the climber hooked up their uh, rappelling ropes to a drain up on the roof there. It started down the side of the building. But unfortunately for the climber, and for those who are watching, the drain wasn't attached to the building. Faith that is misplaced can be a real problem. Jesus says, bring him to me. And for the, for the Father, this is already hopeful. Jesus helps all who come to him. Jesus himself says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. He says, Go and make disciples, which means bring them to me. Go and make disciples of all nations. Bring people to me. And how many times do we read that people brought their sick to Jesus and he healed them all? That's where healing takes place. That's where sins are forgiven. And, and the forgiveness of sins is a complete kind of healing, a real healing. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, bring them to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, when the servant of Satan saw Jesus, the one through whom the universe, including that servant of Satan, through whom the universe was create, created, when he saw Jesus, his enemy, his judge, then immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. This is, this is Satan's work. He, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he would devour. He's the father of lies. He is the deceiver of the whole world. He harasses and hinders. He is ecstatic in the garden, I think. It's not in Scripture. When God has to curse his creation because of sin. And here he demonstrates his hold on the boy. And it's true. Uh, sin cuts us off from God, puts us in the hold of Satan. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And you can just hear there in, in the father's voice his love for his son and his pleading with Jesus, if you can do anything. And maybe the father's faith is waning a little bit. I brought him to Jesus and, the, and the, the boy's down there convulsing and Jesus is just talking. How long has this been happening? You know, maybe the, the father's faith is wavering a little bit. The father answers since the boy was a child. And that means that since the boy was a child, I'm sure this father has been praying for a miracle, praying for healing for his son. But no help has come to him. And then, of course, in that day and age, you're wondering, the father maybe is wondering, is this a result of some sin that the boy had? Or is it, is it my sin that has caused this to happen to my son? 
if you can do anything. And the Father who would be happy with anything, he'll take literally anything at this point. And Jesus says to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Such good news. All things are possible. The, the healing of physical ills, the soothing of emotional scars, restoration of broken relationships, light poured into spiritual darkness, comfort for dashed hopes, lost dreams. You fill in the blank. All things are possible for one who believes. The man would not have brought his son here without some measure of faith. That faith in Jesus was worked by the Holy Spirit. He hears those blessed words, all things are possible, and the man's hope is renewed. After long years, he, he feels like help is near. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And the man gives voice to his faith, and at the same time, he gives an honest confession. Lord, I believe, but I don't believe as I should. Help me. What a beautiful prayer to Jesus. If you want to memorize some scripture today, that's a good phrase to memorize. We who follow this Jesus, we could pray that same prayer every day, couldn't we? Because don't we often find ourselves in the same place that this Father is, feeling like our faith maybe isn't as solid as it should be? Luther writes about that. He says, The wretchedness and the weakness of our flesh are deplorable. They do not let us believe what we teach. For we have the word and know that it is true and unchanging. But in use and practice, our faith wavers and trembles miserably. Therefore, it is a great blessing that God has revealed this comfort to us. This comfort that he reads in Isaiah. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. So as the Father confesses this, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I'm weak. Help me. That is music to God's ears. It is a bruised reed. He's not going to break that reed. He comes as a, a shepherd, as a dear father, to help. Jesus himself has said that he hasn't come for those who think that they're well. See, it's not God helps those who help themselves. Rather, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. We don't have faith in faith. The measure of our faith isn't what saves us. The smallest, weakest faith, real faith, that clings to Jesus, reaps all the benefits. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. 
And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Uh, I, th I think Satan would have liked to have killed him. The demon thrashes the boy. The demon screams, but he has to leave. And he does. He leaves the boy. So the boy is brought near to Jesus, and Satan is driven out. And then the boy is raised from the dead, as it were, to new life. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> because it happened to you. You were brought near to Jesus when you were in Satan's realm. And in the waters of baptism, you were crucified with Christ. And then you were raised to new life. Satan no longer has his way with you. You don't serve him anymore. You now belong to Christ. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. And that price, of course, was Jesus' death on the cross. His suffering paid for your sins. God cursed his creation because of sin. Then he took that curse on himself so that you and I could be free. Just as the boy is now free of Satan and restored to his father, so also you and I have been restored, freed from Satan's realm and restored to God to live as a child of our Heavenly Father. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus takes the boy by the hand and lifts him up and he rises. And then it says, when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So we're back to prayer. Prayer assumes faith. Without faith, there is no honest prayer. When we pray to the Father, even if it is to say, I believe, help my unbelief, we express faith in God as the one who can save us, the one who can help us. And he will help us. He promises to. Look in Psalm 50. It says, call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. He is a God who loves to hear prayer and loves to answer prayer. And he will always hear it hear us. And of course, his answer may not be what we are looking for, or even be what we think would be best for us. But that again is where faith comes into play. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, Hebrews 11 tells us. And sometimes the good that we want for ourselves, maybe we can't see it. Maybe we don't know what it is, but we can trust that God does and that he is working that good for us. And so that faith is a, con a conviction that even though things around me don't look like I think they should, 
something in my life isn't going the way I think it should. I can be convinced by my faith that God loves me, that he is working for my good. Rest assured, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that all things are possible in Jesus. A boy caught for years in the throes of demon possession can be freed by a word from Jesus. The Son of God crucified and buried in the earth can break the bonds of death and rise victorious over sin and Satan. And the washing of water coupled with God's word can create faith even in this hard heart. And faith in Jesus is all we need. Even faith that says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Because he will help that unbelief. Paul writes, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.